Thank you for listening to this Belly Up Sports Podcast Network product. Some said we go belly up, so we made it our name, and we're still here. You're listening to Theater and College Hoops. I'm Subi, and I don't have anyone with me today just yet. We might be getting the Providence Crier in. We might get great friend of the program, the godfather, really, Sam Strantz. He's the one that built the Barnburner Podcast Network uh, from the ground up. So maybe he will join us to talk a little Memphis. Like I said, maybe we'll get the crier to talk a little bit about Providence. This is a instant bracket reaction show. Okay, so the, the Selection Sunday show just wrapped up. Uh, Seth Davis, Clark Kellogg, Greg Gumbel revealed the bracket. They made their picks. Uh, and we will get into all of that. I got the bracket up right now, which, by the way, a fresh, clean bracket is like the Mona Lisa. Okay, you know that scene in Ferris Bueller's Day Off when Cameron's just staring at that that lovely photo in the art museum, right? And he's just staring, and the camera goes to Cameron's face and then to the picture and then closer in on Cameron's face, closer in on the picture. That's what I'm doing right now with a fresh bracket. That's what I do every single year. It's just so clean. And once you print it out, you get that fresh paper. It's lovely. It really is just lovely. And then it's almost like a, a big tub of ice cream where it's, there's nothing like there's no scoops, nothing. It's a fresh sheet, but then you start to make your edits. You start to make your picks. You second guess yourself. You cross it out. That's like taking a bunch of scoops out of that beautiful, fresh sheet. Uh, so, yeah, that's what the the bracket to me is like, the Mona Lisa and Briar's ice cream, okay? I'd love to hear what you guys equate a fresh bracket to, but we got one. Um, so we'll see whoever joins in. Uh, we're brought to you, of course, by the Barnburner Podcast Network. Go subscribe on whichever device you use. No College Hooper of the Week this week. Uh as I'm recording this, it was a big day of basketball. Didn't really, didn't really apply too much brain power to figuring out an obscure random college hooper. So no college hooper of the week. Uh, we are, however, brought to you by Royal Digital Marketing, aka RDM. RDM specializes in website development and digital marketing for small businesses and startups. So if you need a website, contact them at Colin at royaldigital.co. That's C-O-L-I-N at royaldigital.co. Colin's actually a Wake Forest alum. I'm sure he's licking his wounds. Hey, maybe you should have beaten BC and not have to worry about being on the bubble. When was the last time a power team had the conference coach of the year and the conference player of the year and didn't make the tournament? That's what Wake is is enduring right now. Wake Forest didn't take care of business in the ACC tournament, struggled a bit down the stretch, despite the fact that they had Coach of the Year Steve Forbes, despite the fact that they had Player of the Year Alondis Williams, and now they're on the outside looking in. So why don't you give Colin uh, 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 an email, and if you need help with your small business, he will help you out with that. But you know, if and when you do reach out to him, make sure to give him a little hug as well for his Demon Deacons. Check out the website at theaterandcollegehoops.com and make sure to follow us on Twitter at CBB Theater. You should also follow me at Subi232 to find out where the feet is and make sure to follow Taylor, the usual co-host at Taylor Damel and the shark, who by the way is dark right now. He's at Kevin Garnett's jersey retirement ceremony, yet another jersey retirement 
ceremony uh, for the Celtics gone awry. Luka Doncic and the Mavericks spoiled that, but he's there. He's currently dark, not even looking at his phone. He hasn't taken a look at the bracket at all just yet. Excited to get his thoughts, his picks, which we'll get this upcoming week. But follow the shark at the underscore shark underscore BB. Let's open the curtains. fresh, clean, beautiful bracket. A lot of news and notes, a lot of storylines here as well. Let's take a look, okay? Um, I'm just going to go down some of the notes that I took during the show, and we'll revert back to the bracket itself, and I'll go down each matchup, see what's intriguing, and probably repeat myself a little bit, but it bears repeating, Okay, so first and foremost, Gonzaga, number one overall seed. Now, you all know I'm a huge Arizona fan. You know Taylor's a huge Arizona fan. They just won the Pac-12 regular season, but also the uh, conference tournament as well without Kirk Creesa. They did it uh, in foul trouble as well as we welcome the Providence Crier. Crier, I just started, just said Gonzaga overall number one. I'm not upset about it. Okay, as an Arizona fan, at this point, if you're if you have 31 wins, doesn't matter. Go out and beat whatever teams. But I thought there was a bit of a case. I wish Steph, uh, Seth Davis, Clark, Clark Kellogg, and, and Gumble. I wish they had asked the selection committee, like, hey, could Arizona? Were you guys contemplating Arizona as the overall one? But Gonzaga overall number one, no surprises. Yeah, yeah. And uh, Sibby, thanks for having me on. Um... Yeah, I mean, no surprise. I think that was pretty much the consensus going into this weekend. Um, me personally, I, I thought if Gonzaga were to drop one of their conference tournament games, they probably shouldn't have had that number one seed. But I, I think some people would have clamored that they should have gotten it anyways, which is kind of interesting. Um, but, I, you know, it, it just it's unfortunate because the WCC tournament for Gonzaga is two games. And <laughs> It's teams you beat up all year, so it's pretty easy for them to log up in them one seed. But yeah, that's a fair point. I hadn't heard that even if they lost a game in the WCC, they should have gotten the overall number one. Is that what you're saying? Overall number one or a one? Maybe I was, all right. Maybe I was uh, not overall one. Maybe just the one seed, the one line in general. But um, but yeah, I don't know. I just feel like 
Gonzaga's reached the point now where they can they get all these wins and like even if they stumble, it doesn't cost them like it used to, you know. <laughs> yeah. Well, I was I was with a friend who's from the Pacific Northwest, and they have friends that went to Gonzaga, and they went to Vegas for the WCC tournament. And she's asking like, "Why the hell would you even go? You know, you're they're gonna win." And I was like, "Well, it's just an excuse to go to Vegas, right? There's there's right. no other reason to do that." But hey, I, what I was gonna do is just go through the notes as I was taking them, watching the selection show. But since you've jumped in, we have to start with Providence. Congratulations on the number four seed. Let's start there. Are you happy with your seed? We'll get to matchup in a second. Are you happy with seed? Are you happy with region? Um, definitely happy with seed. Uh, I was getting a little nervous that that Houston would jump us in, in the four line. I saw Lenardi had that, uh, and, and Houston ends up blowing out uh, Memphis. But it, I heard this credit. Houston has zero quad one wins. Like, get out of my face. I, like, I don't care what your record is. Um, if you don't have, if you have zero quad ones, like, no, like get off my four line. So I'm happy fires, uh, got the four, the four line. I, I am kind of disappointed with just them, you know, showing up flat as all hell against Creighton on Friday night. Um, cause could have really had a good opportunity to get an even better seed, but I'll take the four seed. I mean, it's the best seed we've gotten, uh, in the Ed Cooley era. And seating's always been the biggest bugaboo with the Friars. So I'll take the four seed. Yeah. Well, you got South Dakota State who can shoot the absolute leather off the ball, right? They're a good team. They haven't lost in a while. I think they're 31 and four. So this is a dangerous matchup for the Friars. But when push comes to shove, right, how are you feeling about this South Dakota State team? Does, does playing in Buffalo help you at all? What are your thoughts there? Yeah. I mean, um, First off, I'm kind of surprised South Dakota State is a 13 to begin with. Um, you know, they were, you know, what, they're 30 and four. So uh, even though they play in the Summit League, I mean, that's still a phenomenal record. Um, so I, I was a bit surprised to see them on the 13 line. Um, having said that, I, I'd i rather play them than a team like Chattanooga or something. Uh, Chattanooga, I believe, is taking on Illinois. They got some talent there. Not to say that South Dakota State doesn't, but I'll take you know the smaller school with the guys that can that can rip the three over you know a team that that maybe have more quality like physical guards and stuff like that. So I don't think it'll happen, but there's an outside chance that you can get redemption against Creighton in the Sweet 16 to move on to the Elite Eight, right? So Creighton, uh, if they beat San Diego State. We'll get the winner of Kansas versus Texas Southern or Texas. They'll they'll play Kansas. Okay. Uh, if Creighton beats San Diego State, they'll play Kansas. And then if Creighton can pull off a monumental upset against Kansas, and if you guys take care of business, you the rematch there. I, yeah, you know, I I think the 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 revenge Creighton got their revenge against us in, in the Big East tournament. Uh, they were mad that that we didn't play them in Omaha this year. So they got their revenge, and I'm not really looking for more revenge against them. Um, you know, I I think they're a pretty damn talented team, and they're going to be a team not not this year, but down the line here. I mean, I, I was at the I was at the Big East final last night, and like you do the starting lineups, and 
they're going through Creighton. It's like a freshman, a sophomore, a freshman, a freshman. I'm like, oh my god. Like, well, they a problem. Down the you're, you're absolutely right. I mean, you look at Nemhard who was injured, but then didn't they have the freshman of the year, Kaluma? Right, Arthur Kaluma is a freshman. I feel like the, all the freshman oriented awards went to so crazy. They, they had three guys on on Big East All Freshman Team. Uh, That's what it was. Thank and, you. And Nemhart won uh, Freshman of the Year or Rookie of the Year, whatever they call it. Even uh, with being out the last couple of weeks, huh? Right, right. Um, so he won it. He was a unanimous pick on there. But then you know the guy that's kind of filled in his shoes, Alexander. He slid over from from the two spot to the one spot. I mean, he's not the dynamic point guard that Nemhart was, but I think he's done a pr- pretty admirable job filling in. Um, but yeah, like Kaluma is nasty. Cockburn is a sophomore, so like like that team is going to be good down the line. I, unfortunately, I, I think you know they'll either get one or just be one and done. Like I, I don't see them getting past Kansas. Right. It's probably not their time just yet, but I will say, sir, at the path to the sweet 16 is pretty decent for you. Okay. So you beat South Dakota state and then you get the winner of Iowa Richmond, right? So Richmond's a bid stealer. They weren't in this tournament a week ago. They wanted to fire their coach a week ago. Iowa, one of the hottest teams in the country. Now I don't think Richmond's going to beat Iowa. I think Iowa's actually very good and they're peaking at the exact right time. But if yeah, if that very popular 12-5 upset happens, you would get Richmond if you beat South Dakota State. And I think you'd be heavily favored in that game, and you have to be licking your chops. Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll see. You know, Providence has been considered a lucky team so uh, this year. So, so I mean, who knows? Maybe that luck happens w- with some upsets uh, in, in their side of the bracket there. But, um, you know, it, if, it, if it is chalk, right, if they – you know, have to play South Dakota State and then have to play Iowa. You're talking about number one and number two of the best three-point shooting teams in the country. Um, the good news for Providence is I, I think our perimeter defense is very good. Um, we got a lot of guys that, that can switch. Um, you know, it does – if you're looking at Iowa, Keegan Murray versus Nate Watson scares me because Keegan Murray is a guy that can lay it up from the perimeter as well as inside – and Watson's not the best uh, perimeter defender. So, you know, th- those two teams, you know, both the teams kind of scare me for their ability to shoot the ball. But um, I would say, you know, playing in Iowa, I- I'd much rather play in Iowa than, than like maybe one of these physically imposing SEC teams, you know? So, yeah. Play play okay. a finesse team a little bit a little bit more. We're gonna welcome in, like I said, the Godfather. It's Sam Strance. Strance, what's going on, man? Thank you for jumping in. What a what a welcome, Surat. What's up, man? I haven't actually talked to you yet. Um, I appreciate your all of your production on the podcast. The Providence Crier is infamous, so um, good to finally be on a podcast with you. Um, you know, Sue, as they say, it's tough to beat any team three times. Uh, and, and, you know, we encountered that today in the AAC championship game, but it's good to be dancing again. We haven't been dancing since 2014. Um, you know, it's, it's good to be back in the tournament and tough, tough break on the, the bracket, but really there's no, if you're an eight, nine seed, there's just no good shake you're going to have. You just hope you get past your eight, nine. And then in our case, we play Gonzaga up in Portland, uh, which, you know, isn't ideal, but Hey, I mean, it's a tournament. Anything can happen, baby. I'm so glad that you brought up the last time you went to the tournament, this is kind of a trio right here of college basketball programs and huge fans. 
that haven't been dancing in a little bit. Arizona hasn't been dancing since 2017. Cryer, when was the last time PC went? Uh, 2018, I think. 2018. So we've been thirsting for this. Obviously, college basketball programs, name brands like PC in the Big East, Memphis, of course, Arizona out west. So with that, because we we brought in the crier, we talked a a little bit about Providence's path. Let's talk about Memphis here with you, Strance. I know you've been busy. How much how much have you been able to pay attention to these guys? Because you're busy with John Morant and the Grizz. You're busy with your own employer, the Houston Rockets. How much have you been able to catch what these uh, these Tigers have been doing down the stretch? Because it's been incredibly impressive. It, it has been a good run uh, down the stretch. And yeah, I've been focused more on the professional side of things as of late. I've been watching a lot of Gonzaga and uh, Purdue and Duke. Um, in, for no particular reason, you know, uh, uh, by any means, but yeah, so that's just kind of how the, the professional route is shaken up. But look, post Amani Bates, um, nine and two now with the loss today, uh, and, you know, playing the best basketball down the stretch, Penny has a knack of getting the guys playing the best down the stretch. There's a, a few concerning things. Generally, we turn the ball over like crazy. I think we're the worst team in the country turning the ball over. We don't make free throws and we don't make threes. Those two, three things are usually not great, um, for a tournament run or a deep tournament run anyway. Uh, but you know, anything can happen. I do think that Jalen Duran's playing his best basketball right now. I, I look forward to hopefully seeing a, a Chet Holmgren Duran matchup um, in that round of 32. But the team plays hard. Um, they play together, and I think we're finally starting to see some solid point guard play with Alex Lomax. Uh, I honestly had sort of tuned them out a little bit, you know, when some of the losses were happening, and for my mental health, at some point, you just got to like take a step back. Um, you don't necessarily want to be subsumed in that world uh but then you know things started to happen wins were put together and you know beating houston twice in the year was great um it sucked to see smu not get a bit i don't I don't know if they were necessarily that good but also like michigan is 17 and 14 and gets in which is the classic example of like just this power conference thing that happens um and it's it's totally bizarre to me that like losses can count more than wins Anyway, that just that generally is just stupid to me. But I mean, I know that's just how it works. No, I'm with you, Strange. I mean, look, we'll get to Michigan in a second. Cryer, I know you're a big Duran guy. Yeah, I am. You know, should be interesting if you guys can get past Boise State. Um, you look at Gonzaga when they lost to St. Mary's. Timmy really struggled against against their bigs. Uh, so you know, with you guys having Duran and DeAndre Williams, two guys that that can you know get after it down low. I think that might be a more interesting matchup than, than people will, will give it credit for. So, Yeah, I don't think Gonzaga thought, you know, oh, hell yes, that's awesome that, that we may have to play Memphis in the round of 32. I don't think anyone's celebrating that. Uh, but, you know, we'll see. Let's see. How much do you know about the Mountain West champs out in Boise? Like, if there's zero, I'm, like, below zero. I'm, like, less than zero. Uh, I did get on their page, you know, right after we got the, the matchup uh, and then was looking at basically they're the quintessential, and you could correct me if you're wrong, you guys are the savants here, but they're the quintessential, like, half court, we're going to play you possession by possession, which is basically our kryptonite in any given matchup. Now, I mean, if the team is skilled at doing it, then they can make us play that game the whole game. But if they're at all loose with the ball, then we get in transition, and that's when we're most deadly, which has been the case for years and decades of Tiger basketball, really. Um, so we'll see. You know, it's just a battle of the wills. Who can who can put their imprint on the game? What do I got to know about them? Well, first of all, they're incredibly well coached. I actually think this is going to be one of the biggest coaching mismatches of the tournament. We all know about my thoughts on Penny. And I tweeted this out. This resurgence for Memphis, I give 
so much credit to the players picking themselves up by the bootstraps, especially after the Penny comments. Now, Penny has done a, a good job. He's been a, a, a critical player in that turnaround, but Leon Rice can coach his absolute tits off. Okay. So I think you're, I think you're down in the coaching matchup right now. Uh, but outside of that, I mean, I think you have the athletes and the horses to run with them. That's a pun there, the Boise State Broncos. But I think that's going to be a, a tough matchup because Boise State, has, they just won the regular season and conference title in a very difficult Mountain West, probably the best Mountain West we've seen in a minute. Cryer, do you have any thoughts on this Memphis-Boise State matchup? Well, I mean, Seth Davis was already penciling in Boise State to face Gonzaga, I guess, uh, Leon Rice former assistant at Gonzaga. Um, yeah, man, it's kind of funny. I, I found myself watching a lot of Mountain West this year, and yet I feel like I, I don't think I've ever watched Boise play. <laughs> like, I feel like it was always Wyoming or Colorado State on CBS Sportsnet that would catch their games. Uh, I'm really not too familiar with, with Boise either, to be honest with you. Yeah, well, it'll be a good matchup for sure. I think that's one of the more entertaining 8-9 matchups. Let's get to some other storylines, though. We covered Providence. We covered Memphis. Strancy brought up Michigan, and I think that's what everyone's clamoring about. Outrageous, absurd, egregious, whatever you want to throw on it. I think we're all pissed that a 17-14 and Michigan team gets in over a team like Tamu. Okay, or who, who else didn't get in there? I mean, you could maybe even argue Dayton. Uh, I don't care about Xavier Awake. They... They blew their opportunities, but 17 and 14, Michigan, you gave us your initial thoughts. Is it just maddening to you? It, it pisses me off. Yeah. I mean, before we get there though, I real quick, I feel like there hasn't been a Memphis person on this podcast this year. So there's been a lot of pindy talk. There's been a lot of things happening kind of just while we've had to listen um, and, and, and appropriately. So there hasn't been, hasn't been the best year for us, but it's Sue. What, what is your opinion of Penny Hardaway? I mean, is it, is it that he can't coach? Is it he, that he hasn't coached as well as he could have? Is it that, I don't know what, what is it? What is the breakdown? So for me, I don't think he can coach. Uh, I don't necessarily think he's, He's a very good coach at all. Uh, he gets all this talent, and I feel like the ceiling could be higher for Memphis. But then again, that first year with James Wiseman, that was kind of derailed, and that wasn't his fault. I, I think that's bullshit. Um, Shark might have a differing opinion on that. He's able to bring in these, these dudes, uh, but I don't know if it necessarily equates to wins. And I feel like you should be competing with Houston at the top of the AAC. You beat them twice for sure, but – I think generally speaking, that's their conference. So that's just my thoughts on Penny. But you think it should be our conference, like decidedly because we have the the recruits that come in? I don't know if it should be your conference decidedly. I think you should be running alongside Houston. Okay. Yeah, I he's had four years, you know, year one, 120 games, went to the NIT with, with uh, Tubby Smith's like incredibly awful roster, probably the worst roster that Memphis basketball has had in 15 years. Um Second year, you know, brings in Wiseman and Precious Achua in the number one recruiting class. Wiseman gets ruled ineligible as a non-factor. Precious then plays his way into being a first-round draft pick and, you know, has a great season. Uh, and then conference uh, the conference tournament gets canceled and then COVID happens and there's no tournament. Year three, um, kind of like probably the worst roster he has. We're on the bubble, don't make the tournament, but then win the NIT championship. And now year four, we're in the tournament. I mean... I don't think many coaches have won 20 games every single season in their first four years of college coaching ever. In fact, when you look at most coaches, there's always that one kind of stinker, like, um, you know, 13 and 17 on or 13 and 19 or something in their, in their first four years or whatever. But he hasn't had that. He's been pretty competitive. Now the highs haven't been as high as we'd like them to be, but he really hasn't 
like totally cratered. Um, so I, I don't know if I can decide to say he can't coach. I, I think the problem is, and what, what you wouldn't understand from not watching a lot of Tiger basketball, and this is just like a deep cut thing, is Alex Lomax is his guy. Like played junior high, high school, and then college for Penny. Um, and he was a three-star point guard, never really just became the college player. I think he just like enjoyed the college life a little too much and didn't care as much about getting better at basketball, which like to- totally understand. But he's Penny's guy, so Penny would never play guys over him or recruit over him. Boogie Ellis transferred because he wasn't getting minutes over Alo. Alo just could never put it together. Never became the point guard we needed. And as we all know, like guards control everything. Um, so I, it's been a weird, I think, just a weird four years. It's really tough to... For the outside looking at, I would be saying what you're saying. It's just like I feel like someone needs to, to, to talk about the niches and like the, the different parts that other people might not be aware of. But I mean, look, I'm like a, a fan of the team, so I'm going to like find the silver linings. Anyway, fuck Michigan. That's how I feel about that. <laughs> Absolutely. So I think that is fair regarding. Reason hasn't gotten as much criticism as Penny Hardaway, but like Penny Hardaway hasn't had a season as bad as this. But yeah, Juwan Howard punched a guy uh, and is somehow considered like a better coach, or at least like, I, I don't know. I don't really know what's going on uh, in terms of just how we critique people and when we focus on things and when we don't. But I mean, if we're going to just hate on Michigan right now, I'm all for it. No, I'm, I'm with you. Yeah, because, go ahead. Jump in. Uh, in our text group in the beginning of the year that, that I'm in with Sue and the shark and those guys, uh, I said, I think Juwan Howard's super overrated. I think he's a front runner and I, I think he's a lousy coach. And Sue was like, well, are you kidding me? Like, he won, he won Coach of the Year last year. And I was like, all right, let's see what he does with his own guys. Um, he had beeline, he had a lot of leftover beeline guys on last year's team. Um, he gets Wagner, or, uh, the younger Wagner, because of beeline, let's face it. Uh, his brother goes there first. So, you know, you get the family connection there. And, um, yeah, I think, I think this was a travesty that Machine – gets in and doesn't even have to play in the playing game. Like, such a joke. Like, I just can't believe that. And I think I think maybe the committee was like, oh, well, they were without their coach. Well, why were they with, without their coach? Because it's a clown and an idiot. And he just smacked the guy in the face. Um, and to be honest with you, I thought they played their best ball under Phil Martelli when he wasn't there. And guess what? He comes back and they blow a gigantic lead in, in the Big Ten tournament. Uh, oh, man, like that just bugs me. And I don't know if you guys saw this, but Tom Brady, I'm retired and is back with the Bucks. I think he's doing that to try and shift the tension away from his Wolverines uh, being, um, you know, getting in with a very sketchy resume. That's, I, I just saw that. It's pretty unbelievable. Uh, here's the thing. Like, these guys have to have the attention on him. The selection Sunday can't be talking about any other sport. Tom Brady's got to unretire, you know? Wow. <laughs> Football's been dominating the headlines. I was driving back from New York at CBS Sports Radio on there. They were just talking about Sean Watson all the time. And they were they even said, like, there were two different shows I watched. And they were like, yeah, Selection Sunday just doesn't do it for me this year. I don't know what it is. And I'm just like, okay. Like, we're going to talk about Sean Watson and where he could potentially go all day? Great. <laughs> Fucking Brady's back. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I just looked at my phone. Like Unbelievable. The, the scoop. Unbelievable. Okay, so we vented about Michigan, and I think what's even more absurd, Surrette, is that they're playing in Indiana. So this is low-key a home game for them as well. 17 wins. 17 wins gets you firmly in the in the tournament and a nice nice home 
home court advantage almost. But I will say they're going to lose in the first round. Who do they? Who do they have first? Uh, first game. I'm trying to take a look. Yeah, I think I think they're they're in like Tennessee's area, right? So they play someone, and then if they win that, they'd get. I think it's Colorado State, right? Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah, it's Colorado State. That's a that's a win for Colorado State. Roddy the body. See, like here's the thing, though. I feel like we always get this right when a team that you say is not deserving of getting in at all, and then they, they win a couple games in the tournament. Just watch Michigan do that. It's gonna be so annoying. I just got a bad feeling about that, though. Yeah. So a lot of grievances regarding Michigan and their alum, Tom Brady. Just hang it up, man. Good God. Uh, what are some other items that I wanted to talk about? Rutgers and Notre Dame are in the play, and that'll be a tasty matchup. Duke on the two line. Okay, so this is something else I want to talk about. Strange, you're a Tennessee guy. I thought it was a bit disrespectful that the Vols were at three, especially after the season that you've had, the wins that you've had. I think you could put your resume up against anyone's in the entire country. You win the SEC tournament, and you're at the three line. Meanwhile, Duke struggled a little bit there down the stretch and lost to Virginia Tech. Thoughts there uh, with Duke at two and Tennessee at a three? It's the classic example of like the name brands in basketball. I mean, I, I think the, the resumes are objective. You know, we have all these nets. We have all these schmorps and vorps and all these different like acronyms that mean things, as, as Zach Lowe says. And like we, we act like we have a scientific mathematical process to all this. But if you really actually evaluate Kentucky versus Duke versus Tennessee, Tennessee should absolutely be a two seed. Um, I, I mean, obviously, the fact that Auburn didn't get to the, the final and so um, UT couldn't tack on another you know, top 50, well, you know, top five win in that case um, hurt them. The fact that Texas A&M made it there, but that shouldn't, to me, you took care of your business. Uh, you won the ship. You beat the teams you should have. You beat a, a good Kentucky team on the way there. Um, I don't see the reasoning for it, aside from it's like six random ADs in a room um, at some probably four-star Marriott, and no one holds them accountable, right? Like, we talk about this for the day after, but then, like, the, the tournament happens and no one talks about it ever again. Surrett. Yeah, I, I think ESPN made the call to the committee and was like, okay, you got to make sure they're on the, the, the two line, right? Um, yeah, there was a point in time I was waiting for Tennessee to drop one and hopefully the Friars would sneak ahead of them. But then, of course, PC ends up get, getting their doors blown off against Creighton. Really just a deflating game. But, um, but yeah, man, Tennessee just didn't lose down the stretch. Uh, their run in the tournament, SEC tournament was very impressive. Um you know, the, the fact that you get Tamu in the final, I mean, that, that's not really their fault. Uh, and, you know, they've just been rolling with the wins. That Kentucky game was very impressive. That was just start to finish. Pretty much domination of Kentucky. Last, so. two, last two times they played Kentucky, it was, it was pretty much domination. Strance, the Shark seems to think I have some sort of ulterior motive and angle because I've been pumping the tires for the Vols here. Do I seem like a shady kind of guy? I'm just trying to be as genuine as possible. I really like this Vols team. I think you've got year decades of friendship between you two that I can't even begin to dive into now. So, like, whatever you got going on, it could be the ulterior motive to the ulterior motive. I can't even begin to con- comment on. Um, I, I do think the Shark has a certain way he approaches the seasons, uh, and then obviously 2018 he felt was the best Vol season. But this is yet this is the year, you know, in his in his terms. We'll see. Uh, I, I they keep saying that, but it's like the most tournament phrase ever. It just. It's just a fucking total crapshoot. And this Tennessee team defends the hell out of the ball. And right now, Triple J uh, is making shots like the Triple J in the league right now um, and playing like him defensively. And, you know, honestly, like a lot of guards, just a really tight team that plays together. 
One thing I don't understand is, is, is how Rick Barnes gets these guys to play. Have you heard this guy talk? I know you have because he's coached forever, but this is just a country ass old white guy in his seventies. Why does he get along with, with any of these kids or like vibe with them on any level? I know there's, that's a question for a lot of college basketball coaches. Cause it's just a bunch of old white guys, but like, it's so weird to me. I mean, like, I mean, Cooley, for example, it kind of makes a little more sense, right? Penny, like, or even a younger coach who, who played, you know, high level college ball, but man, it just, when I hear him talk, I'm like, but yet the kids love him. It just blows my mind. It is an interesting, it is an interesting thought for sure, but he's got him playing incredibly well. Kennedy Chandler's coming back. I'm glad you mentioned Triple J because I don't think since the New Year's ball dropped in Times Square, I've seen him miss a shot. He was terrible pre in 2021. 2022 has been his glow up for sure. And you're going to need him to hit shots because he's an X factor. A lot of people are starting to get familiar with Santiago Vescovi. We know about Kennedy Chandler, the five stars. The guy Ziegler is really good off the bench. If Josiah Jordan James is hitting shots, Vols are going to be incredibly tough because their defense will have you questioning everything in life. What is consciousness? Can a good person who does an evil deed still be a good person? Like what, what is the meaning of life? That's what that's, that's the type of fits Tennessee's defense will give you. I want to talk a little bit real quick. Have about, we buried the lead here? Have we talked about Arizona? I was just about to get to Okay, that. good. I feel like I need to ask you about it. You can't promulgate your own team. So your number one seeded Arizona Wildcats, uh, Pac-12 champions. How are you feeling? Feeling pretty good. I will say this. I'm nervous about Peter Kiss, a potential Peter Kiss matchup. He's the nation's leading scorer for Bryant. That scares me a little bit, especially because the last few games, Arizona's actually let let up a lot of threes in the first eight, 10 minutes. And they obviously battle back against inferior opponents. But if they, you can't let Peter Kiss get hot. Gotta tail him, gotta make life hard for him. And I, I think Dale and Terry is gonna get that, uh, get that matchup to try and throw him off his game first. But you can't let him get hot. So that's a potential matchup. The other matchup is Wright State. We actually interviewed Clint Sargent, assistant coach for Wright State. So I, I acted as a mole. I suppose I am acting with ul- ulterior motives here, Strance. I didn't even know about it. But uh, love Clint Sargent. He did a great job at Wright State. To be honest with you, I kind of want Wright State. Uh, it shouldn't matter, though, for Arizona. They should, they should handle either team comfortably. And then Seton Hall TCU. That's tough. I picked Seton Hall to win the Big East Conference Tournament. TCU has shown that they can knock off top teams like Kansas. Whether or not that happens in uh, in a neutral site, we'll see. But I think if Arizona, that second round of 32 matchup is going to be a rock fight. Cryer, any, any thoughts on the Wildcats in the top right bracket in general? Well, yeah, so <clears throat> I, I'm glad that, that uh, Bryant's in the playing game so we can actually see Peter Kiss maybe get a win here and like do all his antics. Uh, I don't know if you, you've seen him play, but this guy, like he's like Marshall Henderson and his celebrations are just obnoxious and over the top. And that's a content I want to see in this tournament. So uh, I'm, I'm glad we got them in the playing game. So, so we can maybe see him get a win. Um, yeah. I mean, I, I do think that's tough to face a team that has the country's leading score when you're a one seed uh, as against the 16, but I don't think Arizona will have any issues there. Um, seeing all TCU will be an interesting one. TCU has been playing some really good ball uh, down the stretch here. I love Eddie Lampkin. I, I, I think he's literally fat Nate Watson. Uh, so <laughs> I'm a big fan of his. Um, so and with Seton Hall, you know, I think they're just a little too banged up. Bryce Aiken, 
the concussion has kept him out uh, pretty much throughout the, the final two months of the season. And I, I don't think he'll be returning for the NCAA tournament either. Um, so that's a problem for, for Hall. And, you know, they've moved Kadari Richmond into the, the starting rotation as the guard. And he's a big body guard, very good player, but he's got a thumb issue. Um, he hurt his thumb, I believe, uh, like in the last game of the season. He was wearing a brace against against UConn. Um, and and I believe against Georgetown, Willard pulled him because he was like, all right, I think I can beat Georgetown without without him. Like he literally just pulled him for the rest of the game to sit him because he knows he's going to have to need him uh, in the tournament here. So, you know, I wouldn't be too worried about Hall, though. I really wouldn't. Uh, Jared Rodden's a great player. I'm a big fan of his. But I just don't think he's – I wouldn't want him as my best player on my team. That's all I'll say about him. Yeah, uh, that, very good player, but I wouldn't want him as the best player on my team. And I don't know, Seen Hall just isn't really healthy. I, I think TCU probably gets the win there. I think it's a fair assessment for sure. I will say this though, like I've we all know local guys for our teams that who cover it, right? In Rhode Island and in Memphis. And I see some crybaby Arizona fans being like overanalyzing and and just dissecting uh, to such a crazy level like oh this this road might be tough blah, blah, blah. shut up you won 31 games like you, we peacocked all year i'm sure arizona fans were talking shit i was peacocking i was bragging so it's at some point you just got to be like be a better team you're at some point you're going to have to play decent players right everyone has a storyline everyone has a score or a dangerous player obviously some roads are easier than the others but if you're if you were arguing for an overall number one seed, which I've been, it shouldn't matter who's up against you, especially in the first weekend. Sweet sixteen, elite eight, final four. You can talk about being nervous; those different matchups. But the, you really just got to take care of business. So we'll see if that happens there for uh, for Arizona. Well, yeah. That being said, uh, I, I was going to ask. Yeah, sorry, Cry. I was going to ask. Like, which of the other three routes would you have preferred if you got to take your pick uh, of the number ones? Who, me? Yeah, Sue. I don't know if you had a chance to look. I know the, the bracket just dropped, but I don't know if you had your eye on one you were, like, just feeling really juicy about it. I think Kansas. I think Kansas has a really nice road. Auburn's look shaky. Uh, let's just go through it, right? Auburn, Miami, USC, they don't move me. Wisconsin could be tough. Actually, I should take that back because strictly because of the Wisconsin thing. They're my daddy. They're my complete bugaboo. But uh, I, I do think Arizona could beat them this year, but I said that two times but i would say the the kansas bracket man really because san diego state creighton they're not going to beat them Iowa is a little bit uh dangerous providence of course but compared to the other three i think kansas actually has the easiest road if i were to handicap that well what about this i'm looking at baylor right now and i kind of like their path uh to at least meet kentucky in the lead eight um obviously that's a tough game but like I don't know. I, I feel like Arizona could beat Kentucky. Uh, you know, both young teams, uh, both athletic teams. I mean, that world looks pretty good to me. Um, yes, UNC, I think, is da- a dangerous eight team. But, like, at the end of the day, they haven't – outside of Duke, they really haven't beaten anyone that special. Um, so, I don't know. I, I feel like the Baylor draws not, not too bad. Baylor, I don't know there, Cryer, because you mentioned UNC – they're dangerous. They're playing very well. St. Mary's beat Gonzaga, and they're a good team. 
UCLA. I'm actually looking at this right now, gun to head. If you ask me to fill it out, I think UCLA is coming out of there again and going back to the final four. I think they are really, really good. Uh, Texas, Virginia tech. They don't move me, but Purdue, that's a team that people have said they could win a national title. Murray state. They were ranked as a mid major. Uh, and then Kentucky, another team that people said could win a national title. It's a little sketchy there for Baylor, but we'll see. Well, I mean, I guess that should be the hardest bracket, right? Because they were the fourth one seed. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I mean, now that you say it, UCLA as the four and Purdue as the three is pretty damn good. Um, but I don't know, just looking at the top there, I feel like they can kind of cruise their way to the lead eight. But. Hey, speaking of upsets, Loyola Chicago is going to beat Ohio State, right? <laughs> I mean, yeah, that that's such a bad matchup for Ohio State in terms of like, They've been playing crappy down the stretch here, and and now they got a loyal Chicago team that has guys that have been there before. Granted, they don't have like a big man like Cameron Crutwig like they did last year, um, but friggin' Gene, man, she just won't go away. So, yeah, I was hesitant to even bring her name up. I feel like it's kind of like you say it three times; it's like a horror movie situation. But I, I really just the amount of exposure she's going to get in the broadcast to any extent is just, is she, is she still with us? I assume. I mean, I don't mean to be ageist here, but is she around still? Okay. (laughs) So yeah, I mean the the amount of cuts we're going to have to her on the broadcast is already too many. Even the thought of those cuts, there's too many. Um, Now that you mention it, I don't know if this was like a fake Twitter account or actually her Twitter account, but there was a sister Jean account that's, said her doctors recommend her not go. So that could be an issue. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's going to remind us of, I think it might have been the Sugar Bowl between Ohio State and Notre Dame when they kept panning to Brady Quinn's sister who was dating A.J. Hawk. It was just her, like, for an entire half of football. We will probably get that with Gene. But I think Ohio State's in a world of hurt. You said it, Mike. They've been struggling down the stretch. And then – you get, you got to play these guys who's who who won the MVC and and are rolling. So we'll see about that. Here's a trendy pick. I think this is going to be a very very trendy pick. UAB over Houston. Strance, you are the AAC guy. Do you think that's trendy? Do you think that's very feasible to happen? Tell us a little bit about that matchup. UAB over Houston. I've not watched a lot of UAB. I did see, I did listen to y'all's podcast about it and them being just an insanely talented scoring team. Um, just a, a lot of people that can put the ball in the basket. And honestly, Houston is a very flawed AAC champion. They're really not that good. You know, much to my chagrin, I would of course love for them to be a, a world beater. So we could say we beat them twice. They're um, not as good as the past couple of years of Kelvin Sampson teams. Uh, Fabian White is their, one of their transfers. He's like a kind of a, power forward slash small forward, but he plays like a wing. He's kind of the heart and soul of the team. Um, it really just comes down to most college basketball games. Just like, are they going to make threes? Uh, they, they play hard. Um, they play smart. They're well coached. But if they make, you know, eight to 10 threes, they're going to beat anybody. And if they shoot five to 20, they're going to lose to, you know, us twice or whoever. Uh, but yeah, I, I think they're certainly beatable. Um, haven't watched UAB though, so can't speak to, to them. But obviously that's a value pick. You know, that's a, a classic value pick of that 512 there and, and, and trying to make it happen. Um, who would be the the team they play in the next round? It would be uh, uh, Illinois at Chattanooga. Which is and, another, and, another that, that's another huge that yeah, the broadcast was all over that one. Like uh, the, I think they picked uh, Chattanooga to make it out of the first weekend. Um, I, again, you know, right down the road from where I grew up, 
mountainous, beautiful country, a lot of good IPAs there, know nothing about the mocks. Um, and honestly, kind of shocked to see them there. Cryer, are we on the jelly fam? Uh. <laughs> Strance, Strance, UAB has this guy named Jelly Walker. He's going to be the fan favorite. Are we a jelly guy here, Cryer, against Houston? Well, I, yeah, I think I will be. Um, the thing is, though, I feel like these trendy picks, you know, sometimes don't always pan out. And you look at Houston, and I've criticized the Cougars. Uh, I, I don't think they're very good, yet they keep winning. So, uh, you know, that will be a tough one. But I thought you were referring to the jelly fam of Javon Kinnerly and, and those guys that, that uh, Isaiah Washington, <laughs> the guys that have kind of been forgotten about now. Uh even though their high school careers are infamous for their jelly. So. I'm envisioning like a, a, a very like thick power forward slash center who plays a, a really slow back to the basket game just based solely on name. But it's, it sounds like that's not the case. No, he's a small diminutive guard. Who's just electric from beyond the three. That perfect. description. Yeah. That description is actually perfect for the TCU guy, big boy grilling on the roof. What's his name again, Cryer? Eddie Lampkin. Eddie Lampkin. thank you okay let's move on now there's always this one matchup every single year in the tournament where you look at it and you're like i'm only picking this because i'm obligated to pick it neither of these teams are going to do shit they both stink i like they're not going to make it to the to the sweet 16 the elite eight there's zero zero intrigue there was one last year i forget who it was but it was like whatever i'll just pick one of these teams for me this year it's lsu and iowa state They're playing in the first round. I think they're both bad. LSU just fired Will Wade. So I think Iowa State's going to win just strictly off of that. Uh, They got their interim coach coming, but Iowa State's no good either. Otzelberger was was hot early in the season. They both were, I suppose. But this this matchup just does absolutely nothing for me because I think they're going to get boat raced in in the following round if it's Wisconsin or Colgate. Literally, LSU, Iowa State, whoever wins that, I think will lose to either Wisconsin or Colgate, whoever comes out of that matchup. Cryer, is this is this the matchup that does absolutely nothing for you, or is there something else that I'm missing? That is pretty stinky matchup, to be honest with you. It, you, know, you know what's kind of funny? I thought LSU... <laughs> I was way off. I thought they were like a bubble team, uh, a six seed. Um, that's kind of surprising, but um, I'll go over to the other side of the bracket. And I'll go with Murray State, San Francisco. Uh, I think both these teams will lose to Kentucky pretty pretty handily. Um, you know, I, I think Murray State has had a good year, but I think they they get that John Morant kind of love, and that's why we saw them as ranked. Okay, um, they don't have a John Morant this year. I, I can confirm that. I was actually at the the tournament in the last tournament that they had uh, with fans in Hartford. I saw John Morant dunk all over Marquette. I was loving every minute of it. But they don't have that guy this year. And then you look at the Dons, like, surprising that a WCC team can just get that large these days without being ranked. Uh, I mean, I know they were early in the season, right? I believe they were, or at least getting love. They were getting Uh, love. I don't know if they were ever ranked, but they were certainly getting love. But yeah, I'm looking at that game. I think neither of them have a shot against Kentucky. Strance, this is almost like our interview question that we always ask former players what was the worst arena that you played in for you is there a matchup on here where you're just like Dave Chappelle this bores me right as as Prince 
Yeah, I think uh, I think you picked it. I mean, I think the LSU. I'm just going to go with the boring one, the LSU Iowa State. I, I have seen Iowa State play. They actually beat Memphis in the, that initial, you know, that initial tournament that happens like in November, or whatever tournament we play in. Um, and they were, I th- actually thought they looked quite bad, but then they ended up coming out and winning a bunch of games and getting ranked. And I was like, oh, maybe they aren't bad. And now it seems like they are. Um, LSU, I don't really understand why it took three years to fire Will Wade. That's kind of off the court stuff. Kind of unbelievable, really. Um, but whatever, he's gone now. And really, that's just a classic. I pick Iowa State because I assume whoever's going to beat him in the next round is going to beat him. Um, and then I don't have to worry about it, so I pick the lower seed upside. But um, Murray State, also, we played them. Memphis played them, and they beat us in the forum. Uh, they, they're they a tough team. I mean, they're, they're really well coached, too. That coach has been there for a long time, uh, and, and his players really buy into their, to their kind of like David and Goliath sort of situation. And he's really sold that storyline, I think. I mean, it's hard to win 30 games in any conference. Um, as we see. And, and so I think, you know, I'm not saying they're going to beat Kentucky. And I kind of love that the, the committee pitted the Kentucky teams against each other, if anything, to see those two fan bases. Because Murray State travels, like, shockingly. Um, there's really, they got they ain't got shit else to do in, in Murray, Kentucky. So they're going to probably um, drive or fly to wherever they need to. But um, yeah, I mean, I, there's always that. What, what, what game do we, what time do we think that LSU uh, Iowa State game tips is like the second wave of games on like a Thursday afternoon or something after you do a food or beer run? Something like that, yeah, yeah. yeah, or either that, or maybe it might just be the absolute first one when people are are just settling in. It's like just get it out of the way. Go ahead, Cryer. Or they just pit them at the at the very last tip uh, tip of the day, like when the Providence played Dayton in Columbus. I believe the game was supposed to be a 10 p.m. tip, and it didn't tip until like 11. Uh, it was just nonsense. So maybe they do that. I'm glad you brought up Dayton again. If we hearken back to the very first topic that we discussed, New England schools having to play in the first four, it's tough sledding because uh, Bryant is playing Wright State, which is in a suburb of Dayton. It's basically Dayton, and it, and the game's in Dayton. Okay, so that's going to be a road game for for Bryant. We'll see if if that extra juice, that home crowd for Wright State can can really bring it. Now, on the flip side, we just discussed some of the lamest games. On the flip, I think this is probably my most intriguing matchup Iowa and Richmond okay I was a better team but Richmond is scalding hot and you have to take into account when it comes to tournament time a team that wins the tournament goes on gets the AQ when they had no business doing it Mooney they wanted him fired literally two weeks ago and yet here they are two of the hottest teams in the country does Iowa Richmond move you at all Cryer? or is there another matchup where you are just Pavloving to watch I, I think that's a definitely definitely interesting game. Um, you, you talk about Iowa. I heard some stat about Iowa that they haven't reached the Sweet 16 in like God knows when, uh, which is kind of surprising because you think about all the teams that, that have made it um, uh, under Frank McCaffrey and before that. So, um, yeah, I, Richmond's an interesting team. I, I really like Tyler Burton on the wing. Um, they got a good guard in, in Gilliard. Uh, and they're hot right now. So, and you think about Iowa, you know, I thought Iowa's path was kind of easy in, in the Big Big Ten. Obviously, Purdue, not so much, but but kind of easy, right? Getting to play Rutgers. I, I think Rutgers, you know, as a four was kind of overseeded, but, I mean, they're there because of their record, right? Um, so, you know, maybe that the, their run wasn't as grueling as it could have been, but, you know, having to go through that conference tournament, you, you got to wonder about – about their legs, especially when you play on Sunday too. Like, I don't know why. I, I much prefer the Saturday championship game. 
but that's Absolutely. my show. No, 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 no. I'm with you. I'm with you, man. I tweeted it. Championship Saturday better than Championship Sunday. I know, Strength, you were in it today, but you get to go home back to your own bed and you, you, you have your selection Sunday viewing party wherever it is at the AD's place or in the facility, whatever it might be, as opposed to just sitting in your own filth and sweat in the locker room. Like, that sucks. Uh, I, mean, I mean, thinking about a team like Memphis, right? Memphis was in. They got in. I don't know how much they were worried about it, but they don't have the hardware or anything like that. They're just probably stewing about the loss, but I'm sure them getting in was, was uh, a nice, a nice consolation prize. I suppose. Strance, is there anything in this bracket where you're looking at and you're like licking your chops? The matchup at all. Yeah. I like, uh, I, I like Purdue Yale. Um, I always like watching that Ivy league team. I feel like they're always kind of sneaky. Good. Uh, and then, they, they, I mean, they usually lose in the first round, but sometimes they don't. And then, I don't know, it's one of those like weird sort of teams that if they make a bunch of threes, then suddenly they find themselves later in the tournament. But I really like watching Jaden Ivey play. Um, little nugget, his his mom uh, is Neil Ivey. She was an assistant coach with the Memphis Grizzlies um, during John Morant's rookie year. And all the, the guys swear by, uh, swear by her, but then she went to become the head coach of the University of Notre Dame's women's team. Um, so she's a head coach now in women's college basketball. And so he comes from like a really good family, has a lot of support from the people in Memphis because of that. He's just a great kid. I love watching him play. Um, so I'm kind of like weirdly rooting for Purdue in this tournament. Um, it's kind of like a, a secondary team that I like, but I know a lot of people hate, hate Purdue. Um, obviously you wanted to see them beat Iowa today, but you know, it doesn't happen, but I, I still love Jaden Ivy. I'm just kind of going to follow him through the tournament. We've had your boy Logan before and you know, Logisms. He's got some great things that he says, some one-liners that are hilarious. He's obviously a huge Hoosier fan. He said, Strance, he goes, ain't no state named Purdue. It's Indiana. So it's it's just a we'll see what Purdue Purdue does. Another matchup I'm looking forward to, strictly for the aesthetics. Carolina Marquette is going to be a beautiful. Beautiful uniform matchup. The baby blues, I hope that, and the yellow, it's going to be a lovely matchup. Don't really care much about the basketball game itself. And then this next matchup, uh, before we get to snubs, and then I'll get you out of here, Virginia Tech, Texas, Crier. Can Virginia Tech continue their hot streak? They won the ACC tournament. They're rolling right now. Texas has a penchant for choking. They haven't won a tournament game in I don't know how long. It certainly wasn't during the Shaka Smart era. That's why they brought Chris Beard here. A lot of people took them as a preseason national title pick, and I said it's going to take time for this team to gel. This is exactly where I thought they would be by this point in the season. In the tournament, but as a sixth seed, Vatek dangerous. Any chance the Hokies can clip the Longhorns? Well, I was pretty down on the ACC overall this year. I found it hilarious that uh... – you know, their, their teams had such down years uh, with the exception of Duke. But, um, you know, it's weird. I, Beard's a good coach. We know that. He's taken a team of transfers uh, to the final before. So, um, yeah, but it, it is – I think he got too cocky, right? Because he took everyone. He literally took everyone this year from the portal. And he got guy like Trey Mitchell quitting the team. Um, so not ideal situation there. That could be an interesting game. Yeah, yeah for sure. I'll give you, like, I think the Buffalo games could be fun. Uh, when you look at Arkansas, UVM, UVM is going to travel for that game. That that tournament that I was at when I was in Hartford, uh, UVA 
I believe they played FSU. And, man, they brought the fans. They traveled real well. Um, they're another team that, that's won a ton of games. Granted, they're in a crappy conference. But uh, we Providence played them earlier this year. They were a tough team. So, you know, I really like Arkansas. But that's an interesting game because they'll have the home crowd for sure. And then you look at UConn. Like, I think this is the best part about the Buffalo uh, the Buffalo uh, host center for, for the opening games. You got UConn fans, you got Providence fans together, but not playing each other. So that, that'll be interesting. It's gonna be it's gonna be a blast. You're right. That region and that venue is gonna be filled with fans and a ton of animosity. I'm gonna get you guys out of here on this. The snubs, quote unquote snubs. I actually don't think that there were very many. I think there's only one. For me, the biggest quote unquote snub, Tamu, Texas A&M. They rattled off. It's a lot of wins here at, at, down the stretch. They got to the SEC title game, eventually losing to Tennessee. And again, just going back to the Michigan thing, how does the 17 and 14 Michigan get over a 22 win Texas A&M team who's playing as good as anyone in the country? Buzz Williams, you deprived us of, of sweaty buzz, which is the whole reason we got into this podcasting game, right? Him, Rothstein quotes, uh, Bruce Pearl sweating through his shirt. And now we don't even get buzz. I'm especially sad for our sweet boys from College Station. Strance, was there a quote-unquote snub that you thought got a really raw deal? Yeah, I mentioned them earlier. I think SMU, um, you haven't watched the American quite a bit. Finished second in the American. Um, you know, a, a team that was had won 25 games, had beaten Memphis twice. So if you want to call us a quality win, whatever, we're a tournament team. So you beat Memphis twice. Um, really, really didn't have the resume, I don't think. But honestly, they have like a real electric guard, Kendrick Davis, who's like a a diminutive, insanely talented scoring guard, um, the kind of guard you want in the tournament. I feel like they were kind of right there along with Tamu on the bubble. And, you know, it, it's one of those things you kind of you kind of ride for your conference, right? Because it validates, like, how hard you play and if the team's any good. And um, so you want to see more than two teams in your own conference go because then it per- perpetuates through the seasons of, like, if you really do really well in your conference and people think of your conference as good, then the committee gets – that's how you get in if you're Michigan, right? It's based solely on this fake idea of the Big Ten being this powerhouse. Um, but anyway, you know, I, I, that's how I feel about it. Well, you you nailed it exactly right. Real quick, Cry, you nailed it exactly right. Clark Kellogg kept talking about the strength of schedule. Taylor and I always say this. It doesn't mean shit if you just lose all those games, right? I could schedule the top five every single day if I wanted to. It doesn't matter if you end up losing those games, okay? So, and then to your point about conference uh, support, it's especially a, a tough pill to f- swallow when you look at the team that took your spot like Michigan. Nine Big Ten teams, nine God damn. So I'm I'm with you on those points. Cryer, any snubs that stood out to you? I'll say this. Um I I was I was on Travis Steele about choking away uh third straight season. They, literally the last three years they started eleven and two and then fell fell flat on their face. Uh in twenty twenty when the tournament was canceled, they lost the opening game to the poll on a Wednesday and would have for sure missed the tournament. Um and so, I mean, they do that again against Butler. But I will say, like, they say that they don't take into account how you're playing lately anymore. Clearly, that's a bunch of bullshit. Because if you look at Xavier's resume overall, I, I think it's better than Michigan's. So, I mean, do, do they deserve to get in? No, because they fell on their face at the end of the season. They lost eight of nine with their only win being Georgetown. Uh, that's pretty pathetic. And then you look at that Butler game, they literally just – 
coughed it away. Like, literally just gave it away. Missed a million free throws. Paul Scruggs fouls a guy up two uh, when they're in the double bonus. Like, idiotic play by Xavier. But I will say, had they made it, you know, they have talent. They, they could have maybe won a game or two. And you look at their at, at their overall resume, they did some work in the non-conference. They beat a Virginia Tech team that's in, granted on the automatic qualifier. But they beat them. They beat Oklahoma State. Uh, you know, granted that they were facing sanctions. But, I mean, they, they have a decent resume. They swept Creighton, who's a tournament team. They beat UConn, who's a tournament team. Um, again, choking down the stretch is never a good look. But if they're going to say that th- that stuff doesn't matter, I'm going to say I don't believe you because, I mean, <laughs> that's what, like, they have 18 wins. They they're 18 and 13. Yeah, 17, 14, Michigan makes it. Oh. Yeah. I think those are all valid points. Here's what Xavier needs to do. They just need to run the last 22 years back in terms of yep. recycling their coaches. Start with Thad Madia, get him out of the old person's home, let him start. Sean Miller's his assistant coach. Sean Miller takes over for him. Who knows? Chris Holtman, if he has another underwhelming year, Thad might be able to go to Ohio State. Uh, Sean then does the Xavier thing. Try it with him. If that doesn't work out, bring in Chris Mack. If that doesn't work out, then you got tra- Travis Steele again. They just need to recycle all of that. But shocking, the AAC guy wants SMU in. The Big East guy wants Xavier in. That's the beauty of being a Pac-12 guy. I know that there's three teams and three teams only. There's two elite teams in Arizona and UCLA. There's an average team that doesn't move me in USC, but worthy of getting to the tournament. And then there's a whole pile of complete garbage. Okay, I think the only stretch, I mean, this is a huge stretch. Bubble team would have been Colorado, but I'm just saying that for the sake of saying it. So, gentlemen, tis the season. We have a bracket, okay? At the beginning of the show, I likened it to a tub of ice cream, a fresh sheet, where you take your first scoop in, that's your first edit, right? You take this team, you move them on, then you scratch it out, go back. It's the best time of year, boys. All of our teams are in. We are truly CBB guys, okay? I want you to enjoy it. And thank you again so much for jumping on the program. We'll get you out of here, okay? Super appreciate it, man. Thanks for having me on. You guys are the, you know, you're the czars of college basketball. I'm just a mere acolyte. I've watched very little comparatively, so I look to you for for everything I need to know. I'm looking forward to the rest of the season and, and good to spend some time with you. Yeah, Sue, thanks for having me on. I mean, it's great to have all CBB guys in the tournament, uh, except for some people, uh, some UMass folks, but that's okay. Uh, but uh, yeah, man, it's been great. I'm excited. I, I can't wait to dive into these games. Cryer, thank you again. Hey, Plug, PCP, when can we expect some new episodes? I want everyone to go listen to the Providence Crier podcast. John Fanta has said this a million times, and I agree with him. Crier here and Corley, they do the best job covering that team. Crier, when can we expect some new content? Um, So, I mean, we actually recorded an episode after the Butler game on Thursday night, and it was so bad that we just scrapped the whole thing. Like, we did it, and we're just like, that was awful. Uh, was it not all, gonna, like content? What was the issue? I, I, like it was, it was a combination of just having too much booze and just being exhausted from the day that we just didn't have the energy. It, just, it wasn't good. We, we like, I, I, I feel like I don't prepare too, too much. Cause I, I know enough about my team where I can talk about it. Um, yeah, we sounded super unprepared. So we just scrapped the whole thing. Um, I believe we're going to record tomorrow and, and kind of give, a, a Big East uh, tournament recap. We were at the tournament the whole weekend. Uh, and then, um, you know, we'll probably drop that on Tuesday, uh, preview the bracket and all that sort of stuff. So, 
Thank you for forward to it, man. Of course. Thank you for the content. Have a great rest of your day. We'll be chatting back and forth in our text thread. College basketball is here, man. March Madness is here is what I should say. Thanks again, Cryer. See ya. All right. I want to thank Strance, again, the Godfather, and the Cryer for jumping onto the program. Their insights are terrific. Memphis in the tournament. So we got Strance as, as a fan there. Cryer, we all know about his Providence fandom. They are in. Arizona's in. The Shark has the Vols in. This is going to be a lot of fun. We're going to have a lot of shit talk, a lot of hearts broken, a lot of happy moments. So I'm very much looking forward to it. But thank you, thank you, thank you again to the Providence Crier and Sam Strantz for coming on and dissecting the bracket a little bit. Okay, I'm going to get you out of here on this. Tips and tricks for March Madness, okay? I believe it was Ben Franklin who coined the phrase, failing to prepare is preparing to fail. That's a brilliant quote. Ben did need to redeem himself after campaigning for the fucking turkey as our national bird. Might be a myth, but just jazz riff with me here. Think about Virginia losing to number 16 seed UMBC as the overall number one and then coming back to win the title. That type of redemption from Ben Franklin via that quote. But make no mistake, you need to prepare for March Madness, okay? Mentally, physically, sexually, and emotionally. The rookies. Like the casuals, they look forward to the games, the buzzer beaters, the upsets, the failed vasectomy jokes. We've heard all of them. That's all surface level, okay? I am here to provide some detailed tips and tricks that most gloss over. In no particular order of importance, let's dive in. First and foremost, upsets are more important than your bracket. This is the guy at the Super Bowl party that won't shut the hell up about his prop bets. This is the obnoxious drunk guy at a wedding with a tie around his head. This is the guy that absolutely must interject into a conversation to tell you about his personal experience and how to deal with it. This is the guy that roots for his bracket over an upset. Look, don't be any of the guys above, okay? Especially the last. Nobody cares that you have Kentucky winning it all, okay? If they're in a dogfight in their first-round matchup against St. Peter's, all right, you root for St. Peter's. You don't root for Kentucky. Because Kentucky beating St. Peter's It's not theater and it's not an upset. And that's exactly what March is. Also, don't immediately weep and say that your bracket is busted. I assure you it's not based off one major upset. The rest of your pool is probably in the exact same boat as you. Pool, boat, really good water references right there. Second, get some air. Okay, I know this said, I said this list isn't in order of priority, but this might be the most important piece of advice I can give. You're staring down the barrel of 12 hours of college hoops on back to back days. Please don't sit in your filth all day. Don't have your only steps be from the couch to the fridge. You need to get some fresh air. Time it however you want, but just get outside for 15 minutes. That's all you need, but it's absolutely necessary. It's it's critical. Walk the dog, do a quick bodega run, throw the football around with a friend. Anything will do. If you're a true grotesque slob, I suppose, then at least crack a window for the love of God. Do something, but get some air. Next, your job. Most of us are still working from home, so if you're not taking the first Thursday and Friday off, then make sure to block off your calendar to avoid any calls, especially hour-long calls. If you commit to a meeting or a call, I guarantee you will miss a Peter Kiss game-winning three, and that's going to happen while you're talking with Kevin from the Big Data team about some useless project plan, okay? So make sure to block off your calendar with a few hour-long meetings with some 30 minutes in between to make it look like there's some free time. Don't, Don't raise any red flags. Title your blocks on your calendar, something like reporting or training. You should also honestly take it a step further and set your calendar to private so nobody can see. Essentially, make it look like you're swamped on Thursday and Friday because technically you are. The clicker and the TV. 
How's your thumb? To quote the shark, it doing all right? We doing all right? Because it's going to be working overtime here in March. Make sure to identify the channels for the family of networks that will be airing these games. Yes, that does include True TV. Make sure you have your commercial channel lined up. Know the rules of the game and the broadcast. The second you hear that CBS music, or the second there's a whistle under the 16, 12, 8, 4 minutes, get the hell out of there and go to the other game. You got to be quick. Save all the time you can. If your cable provider gives you the last four or five channels at the click of one button, bless them. Just make sure you're sharp on the clicker and have a game plan for navigating these games. Play to the triple zeros. Seth Davis is known for his Sharpie tweet. Don't be that guy until the clock reads all zeros. Right at the tip of the Virginia-UMBC game, which I referenced earlier, Seth tweeted Sharpie, just saying, yeah, Virginia's going to win this game. It won this game. And we all know how that played out. Play it safe, gloat, and whine when the game is completely over. Triple zeros. There's no sense in getting old takes exposed. I'm just looking out for you guys. This is the most unpredictable sport in the world in the most chaotic month of the season. You guys remember the Northern Iowa-Texas A&M game with Alex Caruso? Go look it up. Next, stick with what got you here. You know when you go to one of your favorite restaurants and you always order the chicken parm, but you say to yourself, damn, I really need to try something new on this menu. It could be awesome, and I might be missing out. Then after an underwhelming pesto noki, you're just sitting there muttering to yourself about how you should have stuck with the chicken parm. Apply that to March. This is no time to experiment. Load up on the same chips, the same beer, the same dip, the same zin, and whatever else that got you to this point. If you're a sour cream and onion guy, do not go barbecue. If you're a peppermint zinc guy, avoid menthol. Copenhagen, no grizz. Next, get used to the same commercials, okay? Capital One with Chuck, Nance, Samuel L., and Spike, Lily from, from AT&T, the car commercials, insurance commercials, the slop that Arby's is still somehow peddling. All of it will be shoved down your throat. Just embrace it and know it's coming. You're going to switch from CBS to TBS to TNT to True TV, and there will be a very real chance that you see the same commercial at different points on all of those channels. There will be a catchy and annoying jingle that will be stuck in your head for the entire weekend. Deal with it. But this next one, Monday, March 21st, is going to be utter hell. Not sure how else I can convey this. One of the worst days of the year, truthfully. You've been swimming in a sea of basketball off the Amalfi Coast, but now you're sitting you're on your ass in some rinky-dink showers. Cold water barely sprinkles down on your head because the water pressure sucks and the water heater's 30 years old and dead. That's Monday, March 21st. There's nothing in this world that can properly withdraw you from the first weekend of the tournament. Just got to rip the Band-Aid off and slog through that day. And like the cab driver to Kevin McAllister in Home Alone, Tuesday ain't much better, kid. If you're an adult, you can deal with Wednesday. And then Thursday, we're obviously back at it with the Sweet 16 games. But just know that Monday, you might be reading Don't Jump books like John Beckwith and Wedding Crashers. Now, last but not least, do not procrastinate. First game on Thursday will tip at noon Eastern. Life isn't all about college basketball. I know, crazy for me to say. We have obligations to ourselves and to our loved ones. We have responsibilities. I'm 31 years old, and despite tweeting about theater incessantly, I promise I do have a life outside of hoops. I have a dog, a fiancé who loves me, I think. I got a wedding to plan, a house to buy, a job. Simply put, I got shit to do, and you do as well. Take care of your responsibilities either before the Thursday or early in the morning on that Thursday. Get up early and walk the dogs so that they're worn out and aren't restless during the day. Get your groceries beforehand. Fire off that email. Do something nice for your spouse. 
Don't plan on waking up at 11 a.m. and just rolling into the games. Now to the West Coast gang, get your affairs in order before Thursday because 9 a.m. Pacific Standard Time does not give you a ton of room to operate. All I'm saying is just make sure everything's taken care of and cleaned up because your attention will be on the games. If I missed anything, please tweet at me. Please comment on the blog, which will be up. But we're here. Take a deep breath. Soak it all in. Like I said, take your first dig into the ice cream uh, tub that is this bracket. Get your picks in. Make some edits. Go back. Enjoy this. We finally made it. We have a full crowd for all of these games as well, which I'm so excited for. Thank you again for listening. One more time, shout out to the crier and Sam Strantz. We'll catch you next time here on Theater and College Hoops with our bracket picks. 